Welcome back to the Gymnazo Podcast. I am your co-host today, Michael Hughes, along with my other co-host, CJ Kobliska. And we are talking about the good old things that keep people at your party. I like throwing a lot of parties. I think CJ and I probably throw several parties per day in our <laughs> facility. And uh, what's the one thing that keeps people coming back to your party? We're basically talking basically client retention is the phrase and is the term that we're going to be speaking on today. And uh, we're hoping for a lot of tangents. I think we had had a little pre-meeting about this stuff. And so we're going to dive into this one. Client retention is a big thing as a training and conditioning um, uh, focus. You know, we all want to help people as much as possible, but we know it takes time and know it takes energy, effort. And the biggest thing that people need to do is show up. They got to show up and we're their guide, and we should be there for them, right? And that's kind of the whole thing. Do they have to work out at a facility? No, but it's certainly a focus spot. Does people have to learn out of school? No, but you know the facility um, is a huge avenue for uh, growth. So we're going to be diving into that today, and um, I can't wait to talk about this because it's something I think we do very well, or at least we have a lot of strategies on. So we're going to be diving into those things. So let's get ready to dive into this. And I'll say a dive in for the last time for <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Gymnazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business, to how to program for maximum results, to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. All right, CJ, first and foremost, um, what draw your attention to training and conditioning? Like what, to a certain facility, let's talk with a, a certain brand. Jeez. Uh, I, I mean, it comes from the, the sensations. That's what I pay attention to most is it's, it is all energy, right? Everything is energy. I'm energy, you're energy, the energy of the room, the energy of the people that you're around, the energy of the equipment, the colors, the music. Um, there's a lot of sensory experience that goes into deciding where I want to I want to perform, I want to work out, and who I want to work out with. Mm. Um, so I think number one is like, are people actually enjoying where they are? If I'm somewhere where some people are not enjoying themselves, they're complaining, they're pissed off, they're not wanting to communicate to other people. Like that turns me off. That tr- turns me away. I might enjoy a workout by myself there, but um, I may not stick around. But if I see people smiling, enjoying themselves, holding each other accountable, and there's a, a, a community that's developed, um, whether it's a specific class, a type of class, a time of day, um, you name it, there's an energy and a, and a force to, I think, every single one of those, those sessions. And um, when I work out, I want to work out someplace fun. I want to enjoy myself, and I want to be somewhere where I can communicate to other people and um, it doesn't have to be verbal. It can be nonverbal. Mm. You, you can you can walk into a room and know if you want to be there or if you don't want to be there. Yeah, that's uh, you, you said the word fun twice. I've been paying attention to the words. And uh, we did a survey uh, of all of our members 
I'd be like, what brings you back to gymnasio? Like we asked this, this question and we're like, oh man, they're going to do like the biomechanical complexity of it all, 3D movement, you know, like, oh, they're just so smart. They figure out my aches and pains. I, I was really excited about this answer. And I read the report. The number one word was fun. What makes something fun? I mean, for, I know it's fun to me, but I also don't know a lot of things that are fun to me until I do it. I'm like, wow, that was a really good time. Yeah. I, do you, are you the same way when you go to work out or you find a facility that, that resonates with you, whether in the past or, or even here at Gymnazo, what's, what do you sense? What do you see? Well, that's the, that's the most thing. Like I was, A, I was disappointed by the answer, but then I was completely, it was giving me something like one more millisecond to think about it. It's like, oh, what the best, that's the best answer possible. Because, yeah, you do things that are fun. That's what it comes down to. If it's not fun, you do it because it's, it, it's like a discipline of your life that just must make something else fun. Hmm. But it comes down to it. Fun. I mean, yeah. So, like, I've been to a lot of different facilities. Whenever I travel out of town, I try to go to a new facility, whether that's a franchise or, or just a local mom and pop, quote, unquote, you know, sh- shop there. And um, I look at... I look at the quality of the facility. Do I feel, I don't know, this is me just being my neat freak. Do I feel clean? Do I feel like it's a spot that welcomes me to lay on the floor, hmm. you know, and that kind of thing. Oh, and also, is it, is it, is it fun? Or was it just hum-ho, like, you know, all right, here's your drills. So those are my two, my two things. Cleanliness and fun. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Organizational cleanliness is one of those things, things too, you know. Well, yeah, it's like you go into somebody's house and it's a mess and you feel like you just, you can't do anything but think about cleaning something up or like, oh my gosh, this is so dirty. This place is a mess. I don't really feel comfortable like sitting on the couch or like in the kitchen or, you know, our houses get dirty, but there's something you're just like, I don't, I don't even know if I want to take a full breath in or out. There's, yeah, this is just stinky. <laughs> it's really the, like, you know, I talk about we throw parties. We do. And it's a party. So how do you throw a, a party? Well, to me, you clean twice you clean before and you clean afterwards hmm. that's 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 how i think about parties um you got to make you know got to make sure you're dialed in <laughs> ready to go <laughs> i don't want to get stuck on cleanliness but and then all of that once the environment's set then you, hopefully you allow the guest to enjoy the festivities that you have planned or don't have planned I mean, the best parties, I think, are just you showing up and everything's there available. Like, you don't have to search for anything. You don't got to find anything. You know, think about, like, you, you mm, see the I people like that you know. This. You yep. go into a party, like, ah, oh, I recognize some people. Like, you're going to gravitate towards them and you're already going to have a better time because you have your people. Mm-hmm. You walk into a place where you don't know anybody. Now the environment's not fully set. If you're the host of that party, how do you welcome these guests that you invited? You've got maybe a couple different friend groups, but this person's not any one of these friend groups um, or cliques. You know, how do you bring them in and make them feel like, wow, this is just a great time, and I feel super comfortable. I feel like I can trust these people. Like I can open up to them, and I think that goes hand in hand with um, a training facility and yeah. with client retention. Is that you've got to make your guests feel welcome. You've got to set the stage for them to feel like, I want to come back here. I feel welcomed. I feel supported. I now I'm going to hold myself accountable because I had a great time. I will show back up. Yeah. The click. It is so important that when you walk into a party, you, you do the whole scan and you're just like, who do I know? Who do I know? Who do I know? You find that one person, you immediately walk there. Or the host meets you there, mm-hmm. is anticipating your arrival. And they show you someone. They catch them right when they're 
just to get in that little anxiety, that little right. bit of a, oh, I, I think I'm going to just head out or I'm going to go straight to the bathroom yep. or I'm going to hide for a bit and wait or text or go to my phone, right? There's, I think we all have these tendencies. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you do when you go to a party? Um, first thing I want to do is I want to put something in my hand. Ooh. It's like the whole 90 degree mm. el- elbow position, right? I've noticed somebody, <laughs> I purposely try not to do that now because everyone holds, holds their drink at a 90 degree angle. Somebody just let it hang at a 180 degree angle. Just see what hmm. happens. Um, I want something to do. So either you go to the food, you go to the drink, right? Hopefully you meet someone there, you talk to someone, someone there. Then once you're kind of slipping on something, chewing on something, you turn around and I scan the in- environment if I, haven't, if I don't know anybody yet, truly. Hmm. And then from there, you just got to make the leap. If you don't know anybody, you got to make make the leap. You got to go walk up, or you kind of have to get your kind of snuggle up next to a conversation, and <laughs> hopefully you can catch catch the wave. Um, gosh, it really kind of takes me back to takes me back to a long time ago, where I went to parties with didn't know anybody. Kind of college, like you walk in, like all right, where's where's my friends at? Um, yeah. You have to know somebody just a little bit. I guess that's that's the case. You just find somebody you know just a little bit, and just give them a little elbow or a little nudge. Not really, you know. Hey, what's up? Well, and hopefully the guests there too also recognize that you don't know somebody. They're like, hey, come on over. I right? know, just but that I've friendliness. Been, I've been to parties that like literally you're just like, oh, someone else is here. I hope they figure it out. Mm. Um, obviously, all this ties into walking into a facility. You know, <laughs> all this ties into having your niche, your click, right? And clicks are a good thing. At least I think it's because you want to walk in and want to know some uh, somebody. So I like how we do it. There's a G1 click, a G2 click, a G3 click, a semi-private click. You know, da, da, da. and we also have a host always there. Well, that's not true. Not always there, but most of the time we have a front desk staff designated. There's not many boutique gyms that have a front desk staff designated to be there. You know, for a set amount of time. And with, if not, we've always, we've always, uh, CJ runs the, uh, the coach training aspect of Gymnazo. Um, I've done it in the past. So we both have a great perspective on what happens here, but, um, the coach is there waiting, literally waiting for someone to walk in. Well, you got your guest, you got your guest list. You got your guest list. You got the names and there's so many things that we could dive into on this one, but like, mm-hmm. you, you know, and then, um, I almost brought the book. I almost brought like the almanac <laughs> of how to, anyways, Creep, creep people, but um, but saying someone's name. Like when you walk into the party, I've done it before. I, I've been to a party and literally someone said, Hughes. I'm like, this is going to be a good party. Yeah, I'm here to party. Like right when I walked into the front door, <laughs> right. you know, and then a car, other guests looked too. Like who's this person yelling from across the mm-hmm. room? I'm like, it just makes you feel like a million bucks. Oh, man. A million bucks. Yeah, so I, I, th- I do think it is a lot to do with the the people the people that bring the energy and if you are the person who's you know that encourager or that that uh, extroverted personality going into a party it's not really a big deal because you're going to go reach out you're gonna you're gonna make yourself known but if you may be a little bit more introverted or you feel a little bit more uncomfortable with the people that you're around you're going to be a little bit more held back and that's the that's the opportunity where you can either gain a client or lose a client mm-hmm. and it's recognizing uh, not just if they're extrovert or introvert but really their kind of personality how the, how do they come in. Do they come in a little more standoffish? Like, hey, I, I don't really know a lot of people here. I'm kind of quiet. Um, but they may be extremely out loud and, and um, fun and, and outgoing um, once they recognize their people, once they're confident with their people. Yeah. And so I think it does start with your, you've got to have a greeting staff. You've got to have a coaching staff. You've got to have somebody there to, to welcome somebody in and to show them where to go, right? 
if you have at least this path or you, you now know coming in the next time what to expect. Mm-hmm. Now you can kind of set yourself for more, up for more success, whether it's I'm going to have my space or I'm going to make sure I'm around people that are fun and loud so that I can kind of catch that wave or that vibe. Um, you got you to gotta kind of know your space, know your spot. Yeah, and the, and the intention of the setup. You know, like when you walk in, do you want the dance floor? Do you, or do you want to be walking onto the dance floor? Because then I got to cross the dance floor. How do you not dance hmm. across the dance floor? You know, so you're awkward. You're interrupting people. Like, no, no, you want to walk into like an entryway and then go from there. And that's why we have G1 in front, not G3 in front. Because you, you want that person to walk in and be like, oh, all right. It's low key, easy going. Versus in the distance, someone's you know slamming down some weights. Or well, it could be cases. something super complex and just like, right. oh, I, I, if you walk in and think, oh, I can't do that, and that's the first thing you see, is it the environment set up? Is it what's just going on in that day? I mean, you got to be able to set up this this environment to where somebody comes in and says, mm-hmm. I, I can do that. Right. I could probably even do that better. That's the key. <laughs> that's the key. It really is. Yeah. I we want somebody to go into G one and be like, I could, I, I, I crush that. Good. Tried level two, you know, versus I got crushed. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm coming back. Too much for me. Yeah. I mean, and it starts with the conversation too. I think mm-hmm. when you come into a G1 class or a level one class or an intro level class um, to any fitness facility, any type of training, it's got to be inviting, but you've also got to know who you're working with. I think number one thing that goes into client retention once you've established your environment and you've now began your conversation is who is this person? Mm. And who is this person in this community? Who is this person in this group? Who is this person? Who, who do they think they are? And, and I mean that in the most positive way. Like I want to know who this person is. I want our coaches to become very familiar with, I can set you up on a path that's going to feel so personalized in a group setting that you're going to want to come back because you got more value than what you thought you were going to get. Mm. Um, if you got the cleanliness, if you got the energy, you got the vibe, and now you've got some rapport built, some trust, now it's just a matter of continuing to grow that relationship. And it could be in a more personal level of getting to know them, their family, and, and kind of themselves in the community. Or it could be something more kind of on the outside of that, just like, hey, what do you like to do? What are your hobbies? Um, what kind of pains or discomforts have you had? You know, what are these, what are these things I should know about you as a coach so that I can help you become more successful? And I think the way we word those things can have so much power. It really is that first interaction, right? Mm -hmm. And you said it, um, when I was going through the internship, it's like, you've, you've already got their name. So that's number one. Now, where does this relationship go? How does it blossom? And it's, it is through just continual learning, um, about the individual. Yeah. Ask them questions. Yeah, people want to talk about themselves. That's a, and that's a good thing, right? So you go as a coach. Hey, welcome. And we are. I, this is something I really want to give to anyone listening. Welcome everybody by name whenever possible. You know, it's impossible. No, it's not always possible. And say goodbye by name whenever possible. They walk in the door. You greet them by name. They are leaving across the the threshold of the door. You may be halfway across the facility. Yell it. There are some speculations on that one, but that's what I would recommend. Um, and then start asking them questions, you know, how they hear about the place, what, what's going on with them, anything I should know about their, you know, ankles, knees, hips, right, anything. You just start asking about themselves, you know, what do you do if it's a day, day job? Like, you need like 30 seconds of communication. That's it. Just to kind of let them like, okay, all right, at least I know this guy. I've done that with people who I'm not even the coach with. Hmm. Great, let me go introduce you to your coach now, Right. 
I've kind of seen like, oh, what, you're not the coach? It's like, oh, no, no, just saying hi. Just was walking just out of the bathroom. Didn't recognize just, you. Yeah. Yeah, just recognize well, you. Hey, I, I do recognize you. What's up? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's really just making someone feel super comfortable. Working out is uncomfortable. Someone who walks into a facility wanting to change their physicality because of a mental, soulful drive, that's uncomfortable. They had to have some guts to change their clothes, change their schedule, drive somewhere different, get out of their car, walk to the front door, get in, and feel uncomfortable. That's a special type of person. It really is. That's a motivated individual. Mo- exactly. They come in motivated. Right. And do you remember how many stories that we would get from just the back on if someone just sat in their car? I've, I've heard members who literally drove here, sat in their car, and didn't come in. They didn't tell us until later. Like, right. I, I did it twice. And once I learned about that, so cool, you kind of realize, like, how, how many other people have done that who just didn't show up on your schedule? Like, oh, hmm. they just didn't show up. Hmm, I wonder they could have been in the parking lot. And I, I don't say that as laughter. I say that as, like, it's a serious issue. Like, this is something that, you know, it takes a lot to walk into a, f- a facility. Well, it's, it's intimidating to come into somewhere, especially where... Maybe it's a little bit more um, intentional and biomechanically sound in terms of programming. It's got some in, uh, other complexities to it, and you've heard other things about it, but you don't. And this goes again for any type of training. You walk in and don't know the practice. You walk in and no, don't have an idea about martial arts, and you go into somewhere that yeah. does martial. You're like, wait, there's a whole process before I can even get started on the mat. Like, I gotta, what do I gotta bow to the mat? You know, it's like right. you you honor your space and. It could be intimidating walking in somewhere even that is very welcoming. Sometimes that's the intimidation factor because they're ready for me, but I'm not, I haven't made that, that statement yet for myself. Like, okay. I'm here. It's really interesting how you said that. Yeah, people, you know, what customs, you know, do I walk to the party? Do I take off my, my shoes or not? You know? Right. <laughs> you know, it's really true. Hmm. You know, here comes this dog saying, what's up to you? You know, do I pet the dog? Do I not pet the dog? You know, like, what, what do you want me to do? There's so many little kind of things. I, I Again, it really comes down to um, you got to throw a good party. You got to think about those things. You got to think about those things. Um, and I, I, th- I think we've done a really good, good job about it. Um, here's some interesting um, information. Um, client retention Keeping somebody in your facility is way, I don't want to use the word easier, but it's far less effort than it is getting a new person to come in. Um, and what I mean by that is once they're there, the conversation is, it should just be natural. It should be a natural process. Now, natural doesn't have to be like, you know, organic natural. Like you could plant the seed and wait for the growth to happen. You know, it's like, please plant your seeds before time and let the natural growth happen. Versus like, oh, they'll just like me. They'll just Mm. appreciate, you know, people don't appreciate the things that you appreciate as a coach or as a trainer. You have to plant those seeds and let them naturally grow. That's what I'm kind of saying. Like, um, how do you get to know somebody? How do you get to, how do you get to get a conversation started in a workout? How do you get people to join as a community? Like all these different things um, that I've, that I think we've done a great job on. We've planted those seeds and a few things that happened, um, Almost, almost I didn't want them to happen. <laughs> like the question of the day. I didn't resist it, but it kind of happened organically as a coaching staff. Do you remember that? Yeah. I mean, there was times where I was doing question of the day every single day, and that was my biggest struggle was figuring out a question of the day. You get a few weeks in going, What are the questions? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got ourselves too deep. Yeah. I mean, like how do you get a conversation? How do you make people relaxed in the most quiet time of the, of the workout? It's just the warm-up. You know, um, 
I know there's a lot of different ways to do a warm-up. Some people say my aromas are not relaxed at all. We're cranking. We're moving. It's you complex. Know. There's a lot of pieces. Yeah. But if you're not used to moving in 3D space, you're going to learn today. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Have a conversation about what you think about a particular book while doing a transverse plane lunge. Uh, yeah. Probably not going to happen. Not gonna happen. <laughs> well, it's also like as a, on the coach, right? You're reading the room and going, totally. yeah. I've definitely had opportunities where, or times where I've had a question that's way too complex and insoulful question that I've thought about since the night before. And I come <laughs> in with a ready, ready answer and somebody's woken up at 5.55 for a 6 a.m. class and there they are going, what was the question? <laughs> no. Pass. Yes. Like, okay, I get it. That, yeah. that was too much for the warm-up, especially at 6 a.m. You've got to know your people. It's very, it's very, very true. It's very, very true. Um, but I've, I've, I've always liked that, especially like the, the question that goes around. And you can make such a good question. It almost is the, it's, it's the same problem. There's too much chatter. You know, you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. No one's paying attention to the movements. They're still chatting. You're like, all right, I'm about to describe the workout now. And people are still, you know, anyways, sharing stories. So um, that's been something that's very, very interesting. Um, getting conversation to go, but also to limit it to, so you can stop it when you want it to stop. Well, let me ask you this. What's, yeah. what's some of the questions? I, I've got a few in my mind, but what's um, an example of a question of the day? For those people who are like, okay, question of the day, well, then where do I? Like, what's like a simple version of that? And maybe what's something a little bit more fun and then like inviting to really get to know somebody or to get give them the floor for a one-word answer or potentially a two-minute monologue. I know, which, which happens. Or a 10-minute monologue. Or a 10-minute exactly. <laughs> You got to switch it up. <laughs> uh, so when it's the Monday, how's your weekend? Right, super op- open-ended, super simple. Friday, what's going on for the, for the weekend? You know, so you got two days of questions every week that you can ask, and it's always going to be a good response. Always going to okay. be a response. Yeah, so super simple. So you got three days you got to worry about. Um, some good ones, some good ones that have come up is like, is like you compare. So what's better, this ice cream flavor or this hamburger? Like you can do two different things and like what? Those are like apple, apples and oranges. Like no, you got you, you to choose. Oh, and listen, like we're fitness, but we still love to eat a hamburger and some ice cream. We talk about food so much because it's real. Like to us, yeah, nutrition's a big deal, but so is enjoying food. Yeah, right? got to enjoy it. Got to enjoy it. Okay, so those are one, one of mine. Or um, I like to bring up like this day in history but make it recent mm. history. Like, what, what were you doing then? You know, I tr- and I do not go like September 11th. You know, it's like something fun. Yeah. You know, um, or today's National Balloon Day, you know, and then bring up some sort of some some. What's some the craziest balloon you ever received for a Ex- birthday? Exactly, yeah, exactly. If you so. receive a balloon today, what color would you want? Mm-hmm, yeah, it's, there you it's go. It's like, a, what's your favorite color question? But Keep on going. Balloon. Keep on going. Uh, Keep on peanut going. butter and jelly or peanut butter and banana? You know, like, what, peanut butter Ooh. and honey. No jelly, just peanut butter. That's my wife, just peanut butter. I'm like, oh, peanut butter and jelly. Crunchy peanut butter or smooth, smooth peanut, peanut butter? butter. Yeah. You're gonna. That's going to tell you a lot about somebody's personality. No this, joke. These are like opens, first date questions. Yeah, it's like first great. date questions, you know? Right. You're not going to say, how's your relationship with your dad? You know, <laughs> you know I'm not going to go there. Yeah. You know, but... Exactly. You know, cool podcast you listen to, mm-hmm. things on Netflix. I mean, think real people, human life things that yep. we do um, that I think... It's like, oh, I'm in a gym. I'm not allowed to talk about not working out, and I'm not allowed to talk about not eating healthy. It's like, we are all still human. We all still enjoy the things of life. We make mistakes. We do great things. It's like those, having a space where it feels safe and there is that community aspect of like, okay, you might have those two or three people that you never know what they're going to come up with. But you ask a simple question and it turns into something 
for the rest of the week. Yeah, it's fun. It's it builds a larger community because it's you know people know each other different time of classes, different types of classes, and um, I think some people like to get a rise out of other people, and some people like to just say, hey, here's my answer, and I'm that's that's all I'm going to give today. Mm-hmm. The key thing is community, right? You want to build retention on a sports team on any sort of environment, right? A business team, you got to like the people that you're working out with, you got working with. You don't have to like them, but you got to at least respect them. And I think that's a big thing about when you're running a gym fitness facility, especially a group fitness facility, is that you cannot control who shows up to that session for the most part. You know, for the most part, you just, you have to understand who comes into that session. You have to be a good coach. I bring this up often. Um, I really bring this up, maybe too often, but you know, when you had the the um, Chicago Bulls, you had Pippen, you had Jordan, and you had um, Rodman. Like, how do you manage those three guys? All severely high achievers have their own personalities. How do you keep Jordan winning? How do you keep Pippen as number two? And how do you, how do you let Robin blow up? For all of you, for all the people who do not know who I'm talking about, I apologize. I know it was my heyday in basketball watching, but like, how do you make that happen? How do you make that? How do you make a group of a bunch of, uh, like maybe high level CEOs, you know, or encouragers, or or a bunch of people who don't want to talk at all? And how do you manage that? I mean, the number one thing yeah. we need to assume is that people want to feel good. People want to feel good, and everybody feels good for different reasons. And they, some people like the fame or the spotlight. Some people just want to feel like they're getting their work done, like they're they're checking stuff off the list. Other people, I'm talking about fitness. Um, some people strictly just want to socialize. They want to be there to because they showed up, and right. it's just that is the energy. Um, so you've got rock star performers that just want to crush it and feel good that way, feel like they got a sweat and like they almost died. You got somebody who's like, okay, I, I just need to get my one hour in today because that's the only thing that's keeping me sane. And you got somebody else who's just talking. Um, those people are all paying clients. And if you're only serving one of those sections or one of those types of individuals or groups, you're going to neglect the other two and they're not going to feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually they will trickle away. And yes, you might be growing now this group of CEO level, high right, level type A's, right. type A's, but is that what you is that what you want, or do you want to serve more people? And I think that's a question we all need to consider because I think it depends on who the coach is, what you're coaching, and where you're coaching, um, and what you, what you're trying to do with that level of coaching. Are you continuing to try to expand it and reach more people, or are you trying to just reach out to this specific demographic? And I think where we get stuck, at least in fitness, is we just want to serve one type of person, but as a coach, our heart says we want to serve everybody. Mm-hmm. We want to help everybody. And the only way to do that is to get to know the, your people, to let them know that you are there for them, like you're in service to these individuals who are paying for a workout. And yeah, you're not their servant, but you're there to help them, whether it's level up, whether it's to sustain their ability, whether it's just to come out of a negative slump energetically and they want to just be like, okay, I, I got my sweat, my sweat equity. I know I'm going to sleep well tonight because you can go the other way and get stuck in a, a hole literally a hole of not doing anything yeah. because you don't have your people, you don't have your community and there's no accountability. Mm-hmm. And with any of the, with none of those, it's easy to just fall into routine of not doing it at all. Yeah. And we know it as four different personality types and each one of us are dominant in one of them. We're all of them, but dominant in one of them. And we will definitely serve that, that one type very well because it's our, it's our type. 
And that's only about 25% of the people. So how do you serve the other 75%? You have to be a coach and change the way you communicate and talk and interact, but still be you. It's really a dynamic play. I mean, it's not easy, but there's a system behind it though. Have you ever gone to a place that you like thoroughly enjoy the instructor and like they were speaking to you and then another place that you've been like, they don't know who the hell I am, obviously. Yeah, I have. I mean, really what's, what's the difference in experience there as, a, as an actual client of that place or you're just doing a drop-in somewhere? These are all drop-ins. Yeah, these two is like, one is like, both people have never coached me before and it's the genuineness, it's the authenticity. And instead of being, it's like, it's like the, the A-plus experience was I was never told. It was suggestions or, hey, I'm noticing this. What do you think about that? I always did what they said. But it was really just this, this come across as like, it's like, I know what I want to do with you, but me being me, being a coach, I could kind of read between their lines a little bit. It's like, oh, I see where he's going with this. Hmm. And it made me feel special. Versus the other one, it's like, um, your knee's going in, make it go out. Um, I was like, but I have a why on why my knee's going in. And, and the second time they did it, it was like, I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this on purpose. They're like, why? I'm like, oh, oh, well, you know. That's actually a good question. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Not, you're wrong. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so then I told them the answer, and um, it was like, but it was taking, I had to stop the workout. You know, it was kind of one of these, it just, it, it, one was canned, like this is the experience, fit in, which mm-hmm. is fine. It was a franchise model, you know, and the right. other one was not, and it was, here's an experience. How can I curate it for you? Um, and that was a really... Um, interesting, because I kind of saw at that time when I first went, went to the to the can, I kind of saw the I saw the full spectrum. No one said hi. He was there. The music turned on. Coach walked in out of the back and immediately started talking. No greeting, nothing like that. Like we're here to go, and I'm on time limit, so let's move. First, the other one was like, oh hey, welcome everybody. Good to see you all. Sweet. I know what we're a minute behind schedule, but we've got two more people coming in. Let me just chat with you a little bit more. Like it was, they were going to ebb and flow the process. And I, I don't know. I, I dug the first one. I dug the experience, not the out. Um, not, I don't call it the outcome versus an experience, but forced versus guided. Yeah. I mean, you walk into a place that here's the difference. You've got somebody who's like, Hey, I got, an, got another class in an hour. So we got to get going. You guys, let's, let's get started. Another place goes, I'm like two minutes over. Start time. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get after it. This one was going to be a little bit faster today. We're going to get after it, crush it, and get started here in, in, in 15 minutes for the workout. So I just need you guys to get after it with your lunges, your reaches, whatever else. Like your, your energy is different. Mm-hmm. Are you in there as a transaction or are you in there to build some kind of, um, to build some kind of community, right. right? You're just not a transactional, you're a rea- relational coach. Right. I think that's a module in the MDMC course. I think so. I think no that's selfish, where I got it from. No selfish plug on that one, but uh, <laughs> definitely a selfish plug. <laughs> I think it had to come from somewhere. <laughs> no, I think, that, I think that's super important, though, because as a coach, it's easy to get lost in the day-to-day, and I got, I got this, I got to do then I got to do this, thing, I got to do this. Like, we, we get, as we in fitness and in health, we are, we're doing usually way more than just coaching a class. There's programming involved. We got to make calls. We've got to... Set it up, tear it down. Uh, right. Close, yeah, open the facility, close the facility, greet people, 
get to know people, understand different dysfunctions that are going on. Like it's not just show up to a class and coach, but you can come in at that mindset and you're going to burn out as a coach and your members aren't going to stick around. And so, I mean, going into hiring coaches, what we're looking at is, can you bring out a personality Mm -hmm. and under stress, can you maintain your composure and can you ebb and flow with it? Can you, can you realize that it's not always going to be perfectly smooth? You're not always going to be perfect on time and not every single person you're going to absolutely love and adore for the rest of your life that you want to take out on a dinner date. But we're all human and we have a community and we have people that we do care about. And those are the people that show up and especially the ones that show up again and again and again, because what happens as a coach is now we're able to, if it's dripping education, see, see somebody get better, whether it's um, going from movement availability that's limited to expanding it over three or four years, seeing somebody grow and then, I mean, looking back at people I started coaching five or six years ago that I still see here today, I'm going, oh my gosh, because of our client retention, I'm able to see your growth and able to feel inspired and now share your story as a long-term study for other people who are going through something maybe similar, Mm -hmm. but just have a different storyline. Yeah. I I think that we need to adapt or adopt that relational model, though it is more effort, it's more inspiring, there's more compassion involved. And there's more understanding, I think, in what we're all doing here. We're all helping each other out. Why are we a coach? Is it just because we want to deliver a workout? I think in our heart it's because we want to take care of people and we want to do the best we can. And I think every coach does have that mindset. Uh, We just have trouble applying that mindset depending on the environment that we're in. If we're in a shitty environment, really dirty environment, stuff just isn't organized we're going to be in stress mode trying to clear the clutter of our brain to make it go smooth. Mm-hmm. But you set that environment up. You've got a welcoming atmosphere. You start to get to know people's names. Now you are hosting a, an awesome party where people are paying to sweat and to um, inspire themselves and to, to really be passionate about what they're doing through movement. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's again, it comes back to how do you make see, someone come back day after day and do something hard? That, that they inherently do not want to do. The body resists effort. It resists it. I mean, we may have come, uh, be accustomed to it, but again, I, I, you said it perfectly. You know, how do you set up the environment to make that happen? Because there's so many things that go into it. I want to bring, bring this up. Um, did a little bit of research before this. You know, there's five major reasons why people do not return back to a facility. Hmm. Um, they're not making progress, one. They don't feel that they belong. And I kind of want to talk to each one of these. They don't belong. They don't feel that they, um, they uh, fit in. Uh, they have limited class offerings. Um, they don't feel appreciated. And those are a little bit different than belonging. I think one's from the community, one's from the coach. Um, and then uh, payments are a hassle. So that's what a Google search said. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> right? I, mean, I don't think there's really much to add on <laughs> to that. <laughs> Fair enough. So how do we track progress? This is a this is a, a challenging one. Let's talk about the traditional model. I think in fitness, and then talk about how we've adapted that. Cool. Is that a good way to go? I, I think, think so. Yeah. Um, you know, traditional model is progressive overload, or you maybe do like a six or ten week jump start. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people take advantage of six to ten weeks. They got what they're looking for, and they head out, do the next thing. Um, but they go through this loop of gains. I feel great. All right, time off. Shit, I'm back to where I was before. Do this again, six to ten weeks. Maybe now this time there's an injury or a pain, 
and then you take a longer time off, hmm. and then you come back. So I think there's a lot of this recurring cycle when we get so caught up in the numbers and the lack of variety. That I think the key thing is the lack of variety. And I wanted yeah. to speak to that too, because yeah. that can be blown out of different different directions of just do a bunch of random stuff. It's like, well, mm-hmm. we've got to program variety intentionally, right. where it looks like it's a lot of random variety, but it's really intentional. Um, so if you're sticking to that traditional model of progressive overload, and let's say you're working on like seasons of like your, your off-season, your pre-season, your season, and then um, kind of recovery, if you will. Um, you go this route, I think it works well for athletes because they're used to it in sports because you've got a season. But once you're not playing sports, what is your season? Is it summer? Is it <laughs> winter? Are you like, is it snowboarding, skiing? Is it running on mountains and trail, trail running? Is it... Um, Surfing, whatever it may be, right? You've got your sport. But I think once we kind of get beyond that high school sports, college sports kind of realm, um, or even just rec sports and stuff, and you've got now just your life ahead of you, even if you've never played sports, and now you get the whole season of life. Mm -hmm. It's a whole year. It's constant. What goes into, like, how do you see gains? How do you see growth? I don't think we've been taught these things. Um, It's definitely not in elementary school, in PE, definitely not in um, high school. You just learn fitness and you need to be able to hit the quota of push-ups and pull-ups and rate running. Yeah, rate, load, and reps. Yeah. Right? Those are the three things so, that yeah, you measure. Rate, duration, and load, right? Yeah. How fast, how slow are you going? Yep. How heavy, how light, and how many. And how, uh, how long. Yeah. Right? So for endurance, I think those... Those, like, that's the three stuck. things. If that's all you're measuring... Man, you're yeah. You're gonna hit a peak. You're, you're gonna, gonna hit peak. a peak, and right. you're gonna have those maybe a dozen exercises that you know to do when you don't have a coach. You're gonna go do those, mm-hmm. and you're gonna do them half-assed, or you're gonna go way too hard out the gate, and then be like, "Oh, I'm gotten like five days off," and then you might go a little bit lighter, and like this just isn't for me. You got no nothing to gauge yourself on, um, and so I think if if we get stuck in that traditional model, and we are just looking at rate, duration, and load, and we're looking at just progressive overload and making those those metric gains, we're not seeing how fitness and health is our life. It's We're making it like a part of our life, but not making it our lifestyle. Yeah. And so it seems separate, and now it's a chore, and we got to go out there and do it, versus saying, what do I want, what do I do in life, and what do I enjoy in life? For many people, that's a tough question to answer. Like, I don't know, if, if you have any kind of hurts, you know, dis- dysfunctions, pains, injuries, the things that you once enjoyed, you no longer enjoy because of that pain. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're forcing yourself to do it and you're just like, ah, one of these days is going to be the last straw on the camel's back, but I'll at least be doing it until the day I break and right. die, whatever. Um, but we don't have to go that way. It might go that way if we're looking for like progressive overload. But if we sit back and go looking at our positions, our actions, our environments that we're in in everyday life, this becomes more qualitative. Mm-hmm. Where are we? Where, where are we when we enjoy ourselves? Is it outdoors on a mountain? Is it at the beach in the sand? Is it walking up and down hills, stairs, exploring, traveling? All of these things involve movement. Yeah. Results are way heavierly me- measured outside of a facility. I mean, someone's mm. getting super stoked that they did a, a PR. You know, no question. Hell yeah. I deadlift. Love a good old-fashioned PR. Nothing like, you know, you were at, let's just call it simple. You you deadlift 100 pounds, and now you're at 150 pounds. You're like, you're amped. But that's a short-lived PR because you learn to live one hour in that facility per day, and that's a lot. That's a lot of time. You spend the other 23 hours of your life outside of those doors 
that's where the PR is. You feel better. You move better. You actually are doing something better. Or doing something that you were not doing because it hurt or because you were too weak to do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So if you're not training, so honestly, duration, load, and uh, and uh, rate aren't those aren't, we we call that thirty percent of the of the pie. There's seven more things that we on our non-traditional scale measure, and you alluded to them already. You know, but position, height, range of motion, right? What what things moving the thing? What's driving you? Yeah, yeah. What environment are you in? And can you multiple? Can you change that that action all over again in the same position, same weight? Da, 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 da. I mean, so like there's there's I'm breezing over them, but there's so many more things that it's, I don't want to call it a subjective, but even that's even more powerful, how you feel, how you get up out of the morning, how to get out of bed in the morning. How does that feel? You know, how do you run across the street? Because a car was coming fast. To, you know? I think like to visualize this too, and I've said this in multiple podcasts and I want to say it again because I think it's important, but imagine you are in a bubble when you wake up. How how big is that bubble? How colorful is that bubble? How vibrant is that bubble? And is that bubble, does it feel freeing, liberating? Or does this bubble feel like it's compressed? Your neck is stuck a certain way. I can't turn to the right side of my sphere, but I can turn to the left. My ankle's kind of funky, so this part of my sphere is a little bit more scratchy and, and pixelated. But imagine that you wake up in the morning and you just feel like you can look up, look down, look left, look right. You can reach behind. You just have access to everywhere that your body could potentially be versus waking up with restriction so much so that you avoid accessing parts of your sphere or turning certain ways because you know it's going to hurt you. That takes up some heavy mental real estate to avoid things. Because now subconsciously your body, anytime you sense going in a direction that, you're, that you don't want to go because it's painful, your body will hold the brakes. It's like if you're in your car and you want to turn right, but the, the axle doesn't allow you to turn right. And so as soon as you go to turn right, the axle just locks up and your e-brake gets pulled and you're like, oh, I'm just going to keep... And then you get right and okay, now I'm straight again, thank God. But how much damage does that feel like it's doing and how much effort was that? Like your power steering went out when you're taking that turn and the e-brake was on. Good luck. You're, not, you're going to stop turning right. You're going to do everything you can to turn left. And then all of a sudden, you're going to wear down the tires on your left side. Yep. It's like we got to step back and say, let's look at the quality of your movement and the quality of your sphere. And let's, let's understand this. It's not going to take a day. It's not going to take a week. It's going to take your whole life to really understand that because you're going to go through ups and downs. You're going to be in pain. You're going to be in no pain at all and feel like, God, you're like, I, just, I can do anything today. We just need to recognize those ebbs and flows. And I think it does come down to our observational essentials that we go into in the MDMC course, which is environment. It is your position. It is your action. It is your driver. Then how high are you going to do it? How low are you going to do it? Which direction are you going to do it? And how far in that direction? Now that we have that established, now let's go ahead and push the metrics Mm -hmm. of whatever we've established. That's relative to the individual. So I think the progression, think how do people measure their, their gains? It, it is energetically. It is when they go out in everyday life. Do they come back the next day and go, like, guess what I did yesterday getting out of the car? I stepped my left foot all the way out. I didn't even use the oh shit bar to pull myself out. I just stepped out. And like, that's a win. That's the biggest gain I can get from you compared to, um, yeah, I bumped up 50 pounds on my deadlift. That is still a powerful gain. Like, like let's not underwrite that. It's great to have a, a good right. weighted PR, fast PR, and right. just like, okay, I'm making some progress. But if it doesn't apply to something in real life, you're just getting better at the gym. 
I think, I think that at some point in your life, you're going to reflect back and go, man, if I would have just done this differently and had a different mindset, that's a tough thing to change. But I think it comes through education that we, we share as coaches is that it's not just about the load. Now, if it is for you as a coach, that might be what you're sharing. And that's the people that you're attracting, that's the community mm-hmm. that you're making, and you're going to retain those clients. 100%. But you are going to kick out the other ones. Literally. They're going to find what they're looking not for. literally, yeah. but metaphorically, you will kick them out. They, will, they don't want to be there. So, uh, I, yeah, the intention, I, I, that, was a, that was a great dive. That was a great dive into only one of the five. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that is one of the most important because in fitness, yeah. we are looking at all these numbers and metrics when life is not all these numbers and metrics, it's feeling, it's expression, mm-hmm. it's experience, and it's exploration. It's, it's putting yourself out there and doing things that you want to do. Yeah, not feeling stuck, not feeling rigid, not feeling like you can't do something. This morning, um, I had to climb up onto a, essentially a monkey bar. Right, so think about the old school playground, you know, you know, the monkey bars. Get up on top of it, not from the side, but from the, oh, sorry, not from the front, but from the side. I was like, man, I haven't done that in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a while. I was a little slower than what I did. And I even brought a box over. And like, ah, let me just get a box early in the, early in the morning. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> <laughs> but our monkey bars are eight feet off the ground. And it's amazing. If you stop doing that, you stop. Like you said, your body doesn't want to turn to the right. Now, that's a high-level you know, drill, right, to be able to just go up and do it. Right. But... You lose movement so much faster than you think you do. And then you go to try it and you're like, uh, I don't feel confident. And you've just now lost a step. Hmm. Is that just, you know? Something to reflect on. I'm definitely. in my mid-30s. <laughs> Dude, am I going to lose that step or am I going to realize it and go back and try it again? Mm. Not just to go try, but train for it, right? You know, all these different That's progressions. That's a huge progression to, to be able to recognize that in yourself right. too. Just that awareness because people don't even know it. And then they go try it. Oh, let me go throw on the single ski. It's summertime. You haven't single skied in 40 years. <laughs> oh, this will be fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, don't belong. What do we do to make people feel like they belong? Not that they feel it, that they do belong. I want to share a story because when I came in gymnasio, what sold it for me was I felt like I belonged when I was in the internship. Hmm. And it was because the coaches, as you, I'll sign up for a workout with, uh, with Matt another one of the interns at the time, another one of our previous coaches. And as we're getting ready for the workout, you pop in, you weren't coaching the workout. You just popped in and and pulled us over the corner because you noticed us doing some kind of movement, like a lunge and like a forward lunge, but you wanted to talk about the forward lunge for like three hours. (laughs) (laughs) And we sat, we did it with you. I learned so much, but I felt like, I I felt like I belonged. Um, Maybe this is more along the appreciated, but I I think it was belonged. It was like, I don't even have words really for it. I just felt like you had a gravitational pull that said, come over here, let's chat. And though we don't necessarily do that with our clients and say, hey, let's go talk for three hours, I think some of them would absolutely love that, probably go for days. Um, But what we do is we'll notice somebody moving a certain way or um, maybe performing a, a throw or a swing or whatever motion it is, the way that they've always done it. And... There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we get so much information as a coach seeing the, the way somebody moves. And I think the best way to, to pull somebody in and make them feel like they belong is to have a conversation with them about what they're doing 
and not attack them, but simply ask questions. And it could be as simple as, hey, do you mean to do that with your foot? I think you turn it in a little bit. Hey, do you mean to do that with your with your arms going up overhead like that? Because it should be down at chest or from your hip, and this is what it looks like. And it's that if you sign up for a one on one, you get that, but you get that attention already. Right. But you're signing up for a group class. It's really easy to never have a conversation with the coach. Right. If the coach never makes their way over to you and engages in conversation right. or gives you some kind of encouragement. Right. They're always coaching globally, as we like to say. Trans- yeah, and it's like right. more transactional yeah. than relational, but even with global encouragement, you can make it more relational depending on That's true. how you That's share true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the energy you're bringing and, mm-hmm. and whatever else. But I think to, to make somebody feel like they belong is one, see them moving as they are. Mm. Just they come in and this is how they're moving. And it, it's like that, hey, move your knee out. Don't let it go in. Versus asking, Hey, what do you know your knees going in? How's it feel if it goes out? Is it feeling different? Does it feel better? Perfect. Cool. I just want to make sure you feel good. I belong here. I, I feel like, okay, I'm in a place where the coach is doing their job and I am doing my job and we are interacting as a coach and an athlete. I feel like I belong. When you're on a team as an athlete and the coach reaches out to you, you're like, ah, I'm an athlete on this team. The coach never talks to you. You're not an athlete on the team. Right. You're just, you know, you're just there. Yep, just there. You're an athlete. Yep. But you may not be part of that team. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in what your thoughts are on that because you've you've developed this as a as a coach and a co- as a coach of coaches. You do a great job of making coaches feel like they belong because you answer questions and you ask questions that are engaging and thoughtful, um, and even intentional. What kind of things do you intentionally do or or process? to maybe make somebody feel like they belong. And you may not actually think about it that way. You just do it because right. you're a good person and a great coach. But is there anything intentionally you do? Yeah, the biggest intention thing that we do, and we do it as a coaching staff, and we do it, like I saw you do it last Tuesday in our last um, meeting, but we also do it towards our athletes. And I wrote this down here. I'm going to see if, see if I can say this right. If you say you're doing it wrong, you're going to make, make them feel like they don't belong. <laughs> that come out all right (laughs) if you say you're doing it wrong Hmm. you're going to make them feel like they don't belong we do not say you're doing it wrong we i don't think i've said that phrase more than a handful of times seriously handful i'm not perfect in a decade in 10 years i maybe said it five times and i every time i've said it i've remembered it say shit don't say that again we do not say you're doing it wrong. You're going to make someone really feel not welcome. I, gosh, you know what? I guess I'm not cut out for this stuff. They're not doing it wrong. They're moving. There's a different way to move. Hmm. And you said it too. It's like, what's your intention about it? I like how you're taking that step open a little bit. How about, you, how about use your other foot? There's been people doing the wrong drill with the wrong piece of equipment. Oh, man, that happens all too often. (laughs) I'll come to them and say, I like what you got going here. Let (laughs) let me see a a few more. Yep, I like that. As I'm I'm saying I like that, I'm grabbing the right tool. Sweet, try this tool now. Love it. Keep on rocking. Cool, I'm just going to go put this one back. Love that one. Go. What a fun (laughs) interaction. (laughs) You got to feel for it, too. I I think that is so... There's power in suggestion, and there's power in intention. And there, you, you can see when somebody's lacking intention, and they just don't have another suggestion internally. That's just how they do it. Right. I think that is that's your job as a coach, suggest. 
yeah, provide opportunities. You are a guide. You are not the the coach is not the hero. The athlete is the hero. We're the guide. Hmm. Like, yeah. and that's really important, even as coaching coaches. You know, especially going into um, multidimensional movement coach. You know, people look at us like, wow, you guys have accomplished a lot. And it's really hard to keep the ego suppressed. It, it really, I mean, mm -hmm. it's it, the ego wants it. It wants it bad. And you guys say, no, this is just this is something that we've done. We've sharing it. There's different ways to do it. We've cut through a lot of the crap, and we like you to do it too. But I'm still your guide. You're the hero. Yeah, I can't do this stuff for you, like for the right. athlete, right? No, and it's just it's the same way we think about any coach. Is the way you coach one person is the way you coach every person. I, there's take that with a grain of salt, right? But the, the, you are not the person who gets the fame. You're not. And the moment you try to do that, I don't know. I, I, I think you're going to be stepping backwards. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, I, I think if, if I've done one thing unintentionally, but realizing it should be intentional is that um, I never want, I never want my name to be on the building, on the shirt. I can care less. And I think that's really important. I think it's really, it really, it's not hmm. CJ's workout. Right. You wrote it. You get all the, I mean, yeah, people eventually, but it's, it's your workout athlete. You just, I just, I made the food, but you ate it. You know, like you should, you should have the enjoyment yeah. of eating it. You know, it. you want to add some reps. You want to take some reps away. Yeah. You want to go a little bit heavier. Maybe you want to change the equipment. That's, that's the ultimate mission is to provide you with so many options that doesn't overwhelm you. Correct. But yeah. does set you up for an always attract, attract to more success always. Yeah. There's more opportunities to learn. Success yeah. is not just going faster, harder, and longer. It's a great principle. It's, it's simply being able to expand your potential and feel down. more connected. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Love this stuff. Um, bad or limiting class offerings. Hard thing about a coach, you are not working the nine to five banker's jobs. You know, the bankers got the best, they've got the best hours. Nine yeah, to maybe. five. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? Just, you know, bankers, yeah. yeah, they got all the holidays. Consistent, you know. You know, we're working before work. We're working during lunch. We're working after work. Our times off are the hard parts of, of, of work. Two to four, you know, uh, nine to 11. You know, that's when everyone's working. And that's when we're not working. You know, we're, we, so mm -hmm. you have to be open. You have to be a, able to sacrifice your lifestyle. I really believe that. You know, I think coaches of the uh, NCAA and professional, I mean, especially the NCAA, they're professional coaches, but I mean, some people are, that's their life. Yeah. And I you do breathe, not. sleep, travel. I do not believe that, especially as a trainer of movement. If that's your life, then you should, you should, you should um, try for more. You try for, you should try for more. Anyways. So you got to wake up in the early morning. You got to be able to do eat lunch non-times. And you have to be offer it. Like, I think the most important thing is like we offer like 100 different class times per week. Now, there, A, there's a team of seven of us. So it's very important. But I remember when Gymnasio started, um, I got a flyer. First time was, was 5.30 a.m. Next class time was 9.45. Third class time was noon. That was Gymnasio's initial. Well, it wasn't even Gymnasio then, but... That was the initial <laughs> offering. And it was a lot of work to get those three class times. But you got to fit into the, you know, it's not, it's not what you want to do. It's what your athletes want to do. 
And you got to memorize that different demographics want different times. If you want to go over to the baby boomers, they're not going to show up at 5.30 a.m. Right. They're sleeping. They're not going to show up at lunch. They're going to show up at the 9.45s, the 11s, the 3 p.m. We had a 3 p.m. one. That's our first, like, G1. It was at 3, 3 p.m. It crushed it. You know, so it's very, very interesting about a, a, a class offering that's robust or at least fits your starting demographic. I think that's really important. Oh, and especially starting out, I think, too, it's tough because if you're a starting group coach and you're just now initiating these group classes, it's going to be some oblong times. And of course, yeah. you're going to want to fill in the schedule first just to build some excitement and some interest into what you're coaching. But then once these individuals start talking about what they're doing, if it's fun, it's clean, it's got some variety, there's a cool community, they're learning stuff, they're doing weird stuff that they didn't know they could do, and now it's applying to real life. I think that's where you get the most amount of people um, because people want to be able to function better and sustain their movement through life. And I think we're going into this, this track in the next five, 10 years, hopefully much sooner, that fitness is about being sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's not just about being fit and looking good. It's creating a model for yourself and a routine for yourself that fits your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And if it is then, you know, as a, as a coach having different level classes. If you're only coaching one type of class, you're only gonna, you're gonna limit yourself to only the amount of people you can fill into that class and maybe you go more the workshop route because you wanna teach a specific thing. Um, that can be different too. That's more traveling and, and more class offerings. But in terms of fitness and group training model, you gotta have something for different levels of people. You gotta have at least two levels, something that's a little bit easier, something that's a little bit tougher, like an intro, um, especially if it's like a complexity thing introduce your style of training, whether it's a flow, uh, some kind of mace or kettlebell or rope, whatever, um, or if it's just a bunch of equipment circuit style. Mm-hmm. You've got an easier level that's low impact and a tougher level that's a little bit higher impact. Um, and then, I mean, for our ecosystem, then we've also got one-on-ones. We've got some privates that's more focused on what the individual's looking for versus a group of individuals. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's big. I think it's big. It's a simple one, but... Um yeah, you got to expand it out. Ask your people what they want. Ask them what they want and see what they're interested in. Yeah, Build that, it for them. <laughs> honestly, I think that's the biggest thing. Every year we do a member survey, and we get a great response. Over 50% of our members answer. And we, and we let them know, you can, you can make policy happen in this facility. Just let us know. And uh, so just asking. I think we do that uh, often. What, what, what should we do in, the, in our big management meetings? What do we do? Let's just ask the clients. Yeah. There you go. Especially when you've got a good sample size to, right, to, to work off. with. Exactly. And if you don't, even easier to, to collect. Yeah. Because all I care about is that 25 people. Good. And be stoked about what you're offering. Don't yeah. you say, oh, you're offering this class. It's like, no. Yeah. You're, enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. I like that. Members don't feel appreciated. I wrote down a laundry list on things that we do. I want to hear your list, honestly, because I could, I could talk and talk and talk, but... I enjoy hearing you talk about uh, how we appreciate. Well, I, I mean, it's from, so appreciation is, uh, is uh, more than likely an untangible, right? It's something that's very soft. It's very, it should be flown way underneath the radar, um, personalized, not, not, you know, not blown up, but sometimes it needs to be like a party. I really, I really mean that, not just from the figurative speech. Um, we do member socials and have done member socials since day one. 
And we've learned a lot about those member socials because there's a, there's a nice, um, we'll call it a spectrum of fun. When you get too much spectrum, you get de- a degradation in the community because you start to um, ostracize certain people who don't want to have that much fun. <laughs> um, no, everyone wants to have that much fun. Come on. <laughs> there is a limit to the yeah. amount of fun that you should have as a professional organization. Um, but we certainly had member socials from the beginning. Pool parties is one of the first things, and that got too much fun. Going downtown to the bars with our members, that got too much fun. Um, then it turned into, um, then it turned into, um, Friendsgiving. I remember our first Thanksgiving, we had it in the facility. People like, you're going to your gym to have Thanksgiving dinner. And all members like, yeah, like it's not that kind of place. (laughs) (laughs) So that was also something that we do a lot. And that's a lot of work. Uh, we have our, um, our holiday party, which is really just our anniversary party. That's during the holidays. And that's a formal, we, that's like a black tie, not truly black tie, but fitness black tie event and a lot of planning. Those are all member appreciation stuff. And it's not like, we're not trying to fundraise. There's no intention behind it besides having a good time and saying thank you to the members. We have beer socials. Yes, we drink beer and talk about beer a lot. Does that contradict fitness nutrition? No, it does not. My soul is always fed. <laughs> it goes hand in hand with it. We are not a physique bodybuilding place. So that's, let's be clear. Um, that's the first Friday of every month, which is the first Friday of every month is coming up just around the corner. We did movie nights during COVID. Outdoor movie nights projected on a B, massive wall. F and A, man. You know, we always look for opportunities to do all kinds of, we do a golf tournament. We do, um, we do Spartan races. I mean, CJ, talk about a guy who goes out of his way. The dude would go to, we have massive sand dunes here, just locally. Pick up a bucket, bring a, bring a heavy <laughs> go tool. Go carry your kettlebell out. Here, we're going to walk him out gonna to the dunes and do a cold dip. <laughs> See you at 7 a.m. Yeah, you know, on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, it's always doing something that brings in appreciation. Not only that, but we do um, shirts. We do the 500 Club, 1,000 Club, 1,500 Club, 2,000 Club, 2,500 Club, and now our 3,000 Club. That means a member who's joined that many sessions. That's ultimate, man. That's so wild. And it's a free shirt. I mean, it's not free, right? But it's a free it's shirt. It's the most expensive shirt you ever bought. Expen- yeah, exactly. And those are the things like, like that. Um, we do a lot of raffles. We do. Uh, this is really important. But those are the tangible things. The untangible things, we send flowers. We send flowers to a lot of members who have gone through tough, tough times from gymnasium we write cards a lot a lot of cards we learn something about it someone's a real life our members are re- our athletes are real people they go through shit in their lives wouldn't it be nice i hate to say this because i like to keep it secret but wouldn't it be nice to receive a th- uh, we're thinking about your card signed by all your coaches who you see more often than your own family members extended family members you know just a little, i mean all those little things like that they add up it's appreciation yeah, it's it's definitely a, one of those slow building things that then you look back at the years and like, wow, th- I've built a really outstanding relationship with these these people. Yeah, um, it's amazing how how clients can shape your life too. And like I've had clients share stories with me of just success of things, and like they share the appreciation back. And as a coach, we need to accept that, learn to accept that too. Like take in and be gra- grateful for what you're yeah. able to provide mm-hmm. um, to other people. So appreciate yourself too as a coach. Like realize that, but realize who you need to appreciate so that you can be appreciated. Right. 
we get a lot of the gifts from members and it's, that's an appreciation back. And, um, sometimes that I don't feel as balanced. I feel we, we, we get more gifts than we give, but we give gifts as a community, as an environment. And I have to remember that, you know, <laughs> um, and to always be thankful, you know, I got some pretty cool gifts. Um, yeah, yeah, my heart feels good. Just, just, just <laughs> appreciating who, who we, uh, who we get to coach. Yeah, definitely. Um, Payments are no on a hassle. That's a that's. You know, I, I do want to give some business advice here. In a sense, um, payments need to be not a hassle. Um, yeah, there. When I deal with a business, uh, this is just my personal preference here. So that charges me more to use a credit card. That leaves a negative f- sensation in my uh, stomach. Doesn't mean I won't do business with with them, but it's a negative. And I, I understand as a business, every time that somebody uses a credit card here, we get fined for that. The business gets fined for accepting payments. It's called the COG, the cost of doing business. And to me, that is something that if you're going to offer a five, four, five-star service, which we say we're trying to offer five-star service all the time, that is a cost of business that you should absorb to make it happen because it makes it hassle-free. I think there's a lot of things you need to do to really make payment be something that is just, it's not even thought about. It's not even, it's not even an expectation. It's just like, of course, absolutely. And you have to call someone asking for money. It's not a good feeling. Um, I was part of a fraternity in high school and college, and I was the finance guy. And I ran an organization, that's how I think of it, of 63 men. At least we thought we were men then. And I was fine. I was the guy calling people. We didn't have text back then, or barely. I didn't have the text phone. Um, and I had to call people. And it just was miserable. It was miserable. Like, I wish we had swipe. That'd be so awesome. Or stripe, whatever the case is. You know, just make it easy. So payments have to be hassle-free, and you have to be able to always back up and feel very confident and proud of what, what you're, about what you're charging. Can't be too little, too. It's very interesting. You know, that's why Lamborghinis are so expensive. They're not that expensive to make, but people want to feel. I don't know. There's so many different subjective <laughs> things that go into payments, but um, it's got to it's got to be easy. It's got to be e- easy. So, you want to speak on on any of that? I mean, everything everything's energy, and right now we use money as energy or energy. Yeah, we use money. To, yeah. to share that. And I think if somebody's passionate about wanting to train in somewhere, train in a facility, they're willing to spend the money. And if you have a community, you've got accountability, you've got variety, you've got education in there, you've got a relationship building, um, again, community. Right? People want to be there and show up. It's People are going to be willing to spend more money on somewhere that's that cares about them as much as they care about their health. And I think... We need to just be mindful of that as a coach. Don't underwrite yourself, but also yeah, don't, don't put yourself over the top where nobody can reach out to you. Right. Yeah, there has to be that sweet understanding um, that there's a relationship being built. Like, you know, it's really, it's, it's, it's really, but like, I, again, I'll go back to the furniture thing. I was in front, I paid for my friends, quote unquote, as people would, would say it. No, I didn't. I paid for <laughs> an environment of like-minded people that wanted to enjoy life together. That's what, that's what I think a true fitness facility should be like. Um, anyways, I love it. Our, our, our retention rate real quick is, is, or our churn rate is 3%. That means we churn through 3% of members every month. A very all-star awesome number is 
we didn't even know that we were doing a 3% until we started paying attention to it. So it's really important that we that you replace as few athletes on your team per month as possible. Because every time you bring in a new athlete, the team has to work that much harder to get better. That's how we look at it. We have a pool of athletes. You don't hire CJ, you don't hire Michael, you hire the team of gymnasium coaches. And we want to take these athletes through a lifelong season of movement progression so they can be better outside of the, out of the facility walls, not only in, good inside the walls. And so keep your athletes a long time. They're going to get better and better and better, and they're going to talk about you as a coach being an awesome guide, and they're the hero. And Throw an awesome party, man. That's it. Throw an awesome party. Yeah. Have a good time. Know your people. I love it. Wrapping it up? Wrapping it up, man. Cool. Thank you very much, co-hosting, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you all next time. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed to the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. We launched this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it, and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.